Hello, hello. Hi, Kimmy. Hi. Are we live? We are. Hey. Double check that our Zoom microphones are working. There, they sure are. Okay, good. Sweet. Welcome to our podcast, How to Be Queer. Have some I'm, more candy corn. Oh my God, I'm going to turn into a candy corn. <laughs> and Kim, my pronouns are she, her. My name is Alex. My pronouns are they, them, there. And we are eating candy corn. We're eating candy corn because it's deliciousness. It's really not though. Didn't we talk about this on the last episode too? Like it's not actually good. It's really not. I mean, one of our kids said that it's like frozen icing and I'm like, um, it kind of tastes like icing. It's really- It does taste like icing. And you know what? I don't like icing. <laughs> then why are we eating it? I don't know. <laughs> it needs to stop. <laughs> I'm going to turn into a candy corn. I think our child selves are like, candy corn, it's so yummy. Yeah, but you know what? I'm not a huge fan of icing. So yeah. maybe if I think of it as icing, mm-hmm. I will, I'll stop eating it. Oh, okay. We could go get a really good cupcake and eat that instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it clean. Okay. <laughs> what are we here to do Boring. today? <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, How to Be Queer, where we talk about the experience of being queer in a heteronormative cisgendered world. Mm -hmm. As I told you, my name is Kim. My pronouns are she, her. I am a cisgender female. My name is Alex. My, once again, my pronouns are they, them. I'm non-binary and transgender human. So we are going to, in the next couple, well, next week is pronouns day. So we'll probably... Talk a little bit next week. I'm imagining about uh, pronouns and the difference between identity and gender and expression. Or I don't know. We'll, we'll see what we feel like talking about next. Yeah, week. Um, yeah. The 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 twentieth is International Pronouns Day, so you know, we'll just see how where it goes. So we have to acknowledge that we are supported and brought to you by Youth Scene. S E E N. Go check us out on the web. Send a couple bucks there if you like what you hear on our mm-hmm. podcast. If you've been enjoying it youthscene.org. And then you can also find us on Instagram and uh, Facebook. So we've been, um, the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about what queer joy looks like. Mm, yeah. It's Not like our entire out. podcast is just actually about joy. Yeah. And, like, joy. And, and how you find it when the world has been so insistent on telling you not to. It's like what Stacey Abrams, that question last night, the person was like, how do you find happiness in a world so ho- hopeless? <laughs> so I know, talk about it. Talk about it. So last night we did go see um, Stacey Abrams speak in Denver and it was, it was really inspiring. And she, I loved how she talked a lot about, you know, when you have a, when you have a dream, like it's so good to dream, but make a plan. Yeah. So what was our quote? Um, dream, an ambition or dreams without ambition, without a plan. You, you, come on. Yeah, I can't maybe. remember it okay. exactly. I was really, I was really kind of starstruck, but she, essentially yeah. what she was saying is like, dreams are great, but without a plan and ambition. Yeah. I don't know that that's really a dream. Like you should be putting you know, be, be bold in your dreams and be bold in your ambitions and, and goals and plans and logistics to get there. And I really liked that. We had, yeah, me too. We, we, we decided that we have a plan and ambition to get ourselves to podcast on that stage. Yeah. That was the vision I had that we were at the Paramount theater. Is that Mm -hmm. where we were? Yeah. Beautiful old theater right in the heart of downtown Denver. And we came in and it seats about 2000 people. 
Um, we have actually some speaking engagements booked right now where it's like 900 or so, or maybe even up to 2000 people, but it's virtual yeah. that are coming to hear us speak. And, um, so definitely contact us if, if you're interested in having us come speak with your organization, this mm-hmm. was a unexpected like gift in life to think that a couple months ago, when we started this podcast, we were <laughs> drunk in Santa Fe and we were like, this is a great our, idea in our bed with the bottle of wine. The bottle like, wine that we didn't even pour into glasses. We just kept passing the bottle back and forth. We are some classy, people. classy, classy people, but you know, you never know sometimes I guess where life is going to take you. And, and here it is. We're getting speaking engagements booked that thousands of people are going to come to, to hear us talk about, you know, where you find joy as a, as a queer por- person in a heteronormative world. So when we walked into the Paramount theater last night we walked in and it's this, like I said, this beautiful old theater in in downtown Denver, it holds about 2000 people. And, uh, we walked in and I saw that there were these two chairs kind of angled towards each other with, you know, the bottle of water Water. and the mic stand and the nice lighting. And and I looked at Alex and I said, that's the dream. That's the dream is that maybe one day our podcast is going to come and we'll sit on stage and, and just, talk about and give space to our world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it. I see it. I do too. So listeners dream with us and and please like the way that we get there is that y'all have been talking about us and you listen and you send us your feedback and you, you know, share with friends that you're listening and it's, it's been amazing. The word of mouth has been, obviously we know it's a very powerful tool. So share with parents and organizations and contact us on how to be queer podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. So I'm going to go like before. So our topic for today is one that, um, I've really been mulling over for a very long time. And it is, it is sharing a little bit about my kids and what my experience with my kids has been like. Yeah. Um, I do want to just like put in one more plug for us with, for, for, for think about, your organizations. And especially as we're trying to become a more inclusive workforce. And, um, I had an experience today where there's a person I work with that's going to come out. And the reason that they're going to come out is because of the work that our team has been doing at Rocky mountain public media. And we had a zoom call with this person and their partner today. And, um, they are a transgender person. And, um, they said the whole reason that they were doing it was because of the work we were doing that they had essentially, you know, lived stealth. I was gonna say, were they stealth? Okay. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I really just want to acknowledge, um, this is why you want to do this work because this person is like, I get to be myself. Yeah. And uh, I definitely reflected for them, like part of me is like so sad because I know you did not have that experience at your job mm-hmm. when you worked at the the large fitness corporation. Well, right. you still do, but you really cut back on working for them because it was not a good experience when you came out. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, and they you, did the best they could, but that's the, that's, that's what I got. Yeah. But you also said to me yesterday, like you are still carrying trauma from that. Oh, it's still painful how it was all dealt with. Yeah. So, 
You know, I know people are like, oh, we don't want to do DEI work or, you know, talking about these things makes it, it, it does not make it more difficult. And if you are a person that is thinking about DEI in terms of your own comfort, you're getting it wrong. It is about other people's comfort. It is about mm-hmm. making space for people that have not historically been centered or been safe. So just, just something to think about, you know, our voices, if you are a person that is um, able to bring this type of work to your organization, it is such a powerful experience for those who just want to be, they just want to be, we just want to live. We just want our space. Um, Sometimes I think we get feedback on our podcast. Like, well, what is the takeaway? What can I do? What you can do is walk into your office and say, we need to invest in training around LGBTQ, trans safety, um, you know, breaking down sort of the heteronormative culture. That's what you can do. Yeah. So that's my last plug for that. Yeah. I was, and I'm, and I I wanted to say too, like, you know, the, the power of, of voice and sharing stories that, you know, there are kids, transgender kids living, living who are stealth, you know, at school and that the layers and the reasoning that they're stealth at school, it's, it's not good, you know, it's down to their safety, right? Yeah. 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 You're trying to protect them, but also they're caring, you know, they can't just be who they are. So, so folks, when you ask us, what can I do? (laughs) What you can do is, is insist for your organizations, your schools, your, um, even, even your social clubs, uh, clubs that your kids are in, Mm -hmm. like invest in, in this type of training. Um, that is what you can do. So, okay. So this is, this is, this is interesting, Alex, because I think inevitably, um, when my kids, when I came out to my kids, right. Because Mm -hmm. I, I lived stealth with my kids for a long time. And when I came out to them, this is not a story that I share. And it's probably not one that I'm going to completely share because that is private between me and my children. Yeah. But there has been a lot of experiences after that I'm willing to open up and share about. Um, so I'm going to just jump in with after I had come out and this is like a couple of years after I come out, Gwen, Gwen, Gwenin, <laughs> sorry, Glennon Doyle wrote this book called untamed. And, um, I think we've talked about it on here. I know we've at least talked about it a little bit. Oh yeah. 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 But one of the things about her book that was so, um, powerful to me is a, is a lot of her perspective on motherhood. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to read for like just a minute to kind of share this quote that I remember when I read this and if you ever look at my copy of, I actually have the hard copy of it. If you ever look at it, I have like all the, like the, the pages are all dog-eared and stuff. And this is one of them. It says mothers. <clears throat> so from untamed Glennon Doyle, mothers have martyred themselves in their children's names. Since the beginning of time, we have lived as if she who disappears the most loves the most. We've been conditioned to prove our love by slowly ceasing to exist. What a terrible burden for our children to bear, to know that they are the reason their mother stopped living. What a terrible burden for our daughters to bear, to know that if they choose to become mothers, this will be their fate too. Because if we show them that being a martyr is the highest form of love, that is what they will become. 
They will feel obligated to love as well as their mothers loved after all. They will believe they have permission to live only as fully as their mother allowed themselves to live. It will keep passing down the legacy of martyrdom to our daughters. And with whom does it end? Which woman ever gets to live? And when does the death sentence begin in? At the wedding altar, in the delivery room, whose delivery room, our children or our own? When we call martyrdom love, we teach our children that when love begins, life ends. That is why Jung suggested there is no greater burden on a child than the unlived life of a parent. Yep. So I had to like pause for a minute because no, go ahead. Well, I mean, as you've shared on the podcast before, like you got to the, I remember you saying you didn't, you got to the point where you're like, I'm going to die. No one, no one's going to know who I am. Mm-hmm. And that was like the, the switch or the, yeah, a pivot for you. Yeah. I was, I, I, I think I definitely fell into this category of, of martyrdom for my children mm-hmm. because I, um, me too. I was, you know, I was in a, I, I don't mean to misrepresent the relationship that I have with my kid's father. We were in a very good, very strong relationship, but it was not a relationship that was about love or I'm sorry. It was about love, but not maybe romantic love. And I thought that that was going to be enough. He thought that was going to be enough. It, it is shocker. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it is not. But I think what most people have asked me or insinuated, I guess, after I came out and um, with the support of my kid's dad, everyone always goes to me, oh my God, what about the children? <laughs> what about your children? And look, I'm not going to say that, you know, a family unit looking like a different family unit isn't hard for my kids. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that my son in particular doesn't get bullied probably every single day because he is a gay parent. Yeah. I said that every day. Yeah. He faces some type of anti-gay slur and sometimes from his um, quote unquote closest buddies. Right. I'm not going to suggest that this has been easy for them or a cakewalk, but what I am going to suggest is that me staying in the closet and denying myself of any life outside of being a mother to them was not healthy for them either. Right. So, you know, the question you get like, Alex, what is the number one thing you want for your kids? (laughs) Um, to be happy and resilient. And were you willing to grant that to yourself? No. So how were they going to learn it? Right? (laughs) Yeah. You have to, I had to learn how to, yeah, wow. Um, Yeah. So I had to learn that the one thing I wanted for my kids was just to be happy. Yeah. Kim, what do you want for your kids? I want them to be happy. Mm -hmm. Moms everywhere, dads everywhere. This is the number one thing we say. I want my kids to be Happy. happy. Uh huh. But yet I wasn't willing to prioritize that for myself. So what was I teaching my kids? To not prioritize. I think I was teaching them a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't mean to. Yeah. What, like I was answering for you, but yeah, me too. Keep going. Oh, (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say, take a breath for a minute. Okay. 
I want to, I guess I want to get to you and, um, because you, you definitely went through a very large transition with your kids because you, well, I don't want to speak for you, but do you, can you tell us a little bit about that experience with your kids? Yeah, I, um, the, as I was figuring out parts of myself, you know, I, I understood the importance of telling my kids who I was and they are, they were little or, um, this was a few years ago. So I guess I kind of relied on their, you know, we, like we hear that, oh, kids are so resilient, you know, just be honest with them and, and they'll, and, and they're resilient. So telling them that like, Hey, you know, I'm your mom and I'm Alex like this, like, like that's my name. They were just kind of like, okay. It, it didn't feel, it was a big moment. Um, and I remember their responses and, and it felt very loving and, and, um, and I was proud of them and proud of myself and that I knew by showing up honestly would ultimately be is the, was the best thing. But something in particular happens with one of our kids when you told them who you were, do you remember with, yeah, she ran into her room. So you have to set this up for everyone a little okay, bit. Okay. Thank yeah. you. See, this is the part where I'm like, what? Um, <laughs> so I told them, and then she ran into her room and got a t-shirt that was a gender affirming shirt for her that she'd already come out. I think by this point, um, and it's, you know, she had a, a shirt and she, and she said, well, here's. So at the time she was kind of, kind of coming out as transgender kind of but she was being very stealth about it too. Like she had only been kind of coming out at home. She wasn't um, necessarily wearing like clothing. Like there was clothing that she would only wear at home. She would only wear at certain times, but she was telling you like, I'm a girl, I'm a girl, I'm a girl, but she wasn't necessarily like ready to go out into the world as I'm a girl, I'm a girl, I'm a girl. Yeah. She was, she didn't go like, you know, talk about a transition, not being overnight. It was like, you know, she, she would wear clo- gender affirming clothing at home and then ch- change when she came home from school or, you know, wear wear the things that, the, that she wanted to at, at bedtime. And um, I just started giving her the language. I'm like, here's what transgender means. Here's what non-binary means. Here's what gender non-conforming means. And then eventually she came around to saying, well, I'm a, cause she was saying I'm a girl. And then she would, she attached that she's, you know, she's a girl and she's transgender, but her in her, um, I believe, I think she was like six at the time, maybe seven in her brain for her to show up for me or, or to acknowledge what I was saying to her, that who I am, that she, you know, well, here's my, I, I'm, I feel this too, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew, yeah, I guess I'll just, yeah, that was her way to say, Hey mom, like I see you. I see you because you're seeing me. Yeah. I just always found it. Like I, I, I was, I wasn't there when that happened. I, I'm only reliving it through the the stories that you've told me, but I always have found it interesting that when you had the courage to tell your child who you were, she had the same courage to tell you who she was. Yeah. That you were, you guys were mirroring each other, like almost like waiting for the other one. Yeah. And it's, 
sometimes it's hard to remember like the exact timeline, but it was just more like we were, we were mirroring and, and just each of us opening the door for each other and being more and more honest about who we really are. So being the parent, so now like your two biological children are when, when you, when you did come out to them, they were really young. They were like, I think just into elementary school, like kindergarten and first grade, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so now we're in third and fourth grade and like, what do they, how is it for you being like a queer, like, how do you think they think about you being a queer parent at this age in elementary school? What is it? What is it like? I think this, from what they tell me, um, their experiences, they haven't experienced any, like, or they're, they're unaware of any, like, um, you know, homophobia or hate. It's just kind of like, this is my mom. This has always been my mom. And so the little one has said to me, my friends have asked if I can just hit his friends have asked if, if they can call me, she, and both of them. And I think because it's been so long and they just, you know, it's, yeah, they've just grown up. They've almost had more time with the truth than not. Right. And so now it's, they're, they're an advocate for me. They're like, no, my mom's pronouns are they, them. And it's very matter of fact, it's very just, and so their friends are just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. So then I think how that'll change their trajectory from, from being, exposed in, or I should say the knowingness from being in early elementary, you know, through middle school and high school, how their experience will, right. will be affected. So, so my kids being in one in middle school and one in high school, th- this is where it gets really interesting. I think. So my, when I, when I came out to my kids, my kids are amazing, wonderful, resilient little humans. Yeah. And I, they both just, you know, hugged me and we love you no matter what mom, um, you're our mom. That's, that is really all they care about, right? Mm-hmm. They just care about the fact that, are you going to be here to make me breakfast in the morning? Like <laughs> you still going to like hug and kiss me and tell me how wonderful I am. And, um, that, that was their, that's usually like the first place that they go. Like, is mom still just going to be here? Yep. I'm always going to be here. I'm always going to love you. Nothing can ever change that. They understood, um, because their dad and I had been kind of like nesting with them for a bit they understood that like, okay, life is going to, life is going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been very open with me that the thing that they hate about having um, a mom that lives in one house and a dad that lives in another is they hate going back and forth. Yeah. They hate having to switch houses. They've got sets of stuff at one house, sets of stuff in another, but other than that life for them in a lot of ways, hasn't changed because we still do like, we still see dad almost every day, mm-hmm. except when he's, when he's traveling, which unfortunately he does travel quite a bit. Um, but when he's here, like it's perfectly normal for them to, to be in one of our houses and the, and, and the other parent is still there. So I understand that my kids might not be feeling divorced in the same way that like other kids do Yeah, because we are, there is still a lot of to get to, to times that we're together. But that being said, I don't want to misrepresent that this was easy for my kids. It was not easy. It still isn't easy. Yeah. But what I find. So anyway, so when I came out to them, it was nothing happens in a day. Right. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just one conversation. And then it was like, we were never going to talk about this again. We talk about it almost, almost every day for a really long period of time. And then I noticed it just sort of sank into like becoming normalized that this is who mom is. And what both of my kids have told me 
is that they, they, they love me that, that, you know, they want me to be whoever I am. They understand the importance of all of us being able to be who we are. What they don't understand is the way that the world reacts to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's a little bit like what we wanted to talk about on Mm -hmm. the podcast today is, and I'm going to even reflect this back for my, for myself, that there are conversations that I thought I was having with my kids that I was not having deeply or meaningful, meaning in a meaningful way enough. And that the, some of the subjects were around race, around privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those conversations where I'm like, man, I'm like a chief DEI officer. Like you want to talk about this stuff? I will have uncomfortable conversations with you, but then realizing like, oh God, I'm not even, I'm not getting there enough with them because of the way sometimes they were showing up and things that they weren't understanding. Um, and so I just, I am reflecting on that as a parent, whatever conversations I was having, not enough, not enough. I need to have this way more than I think that I do, but this is like the thing I want us to maybe ponder in our podcast when we talk about heteronormative culture. So my, my middle schooler is, um, she identifies as female. And she came home from school the other day and she said that there are some, some boys in her school that were saying to her, were like laughing at her because she has two moms. Oh, you're the girl with two moms. Ha 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 ha. You know, when she would say, when Juliet would be in conversation and be like, oh, well, my mom said they would interrupt her and be like, don't you mean your moms mocking her, all this stuff, her friends heard it and went after these boys, like went after them. And we're like, you don't get to talk about Juliet's mom that way. You don't get to talk about gay people that way. Like shredded these boys. Yeah. This is what's interesting, Alex. So Jane, or sorry, my son, I think I've said his name on here before, James. Yeah. He's in high school. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's what it like the experience that he has with his friends? Completely different. Completely different. Mm -hmm. His friends would tease him to the point of driving past our house and screaming, fuck gay people. That's cruel. Yeah. And I'm like, James, like, what are we, what do we need to do? And he's like, you don't understand mom. It's every day, every day, someone in these group of teenage boys is throwing out gay slurs. Mm -hmm. I'm like, James, what do you, what do you do? And he said a couple times he's had to say stuff to them and they may be like a couple, like one will stand up for him. Guess what color the boy is that stands up for him? Black. Yep. Yep. And then the rest of these boys continue on with making fun of it, telling him it's just weird. It's just weird. So I guess my reflection that I'm having is what are we doing as a society where the girls are speaking out against this stuff and the boys continue to perpetuate it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes me think that like you about the heteronormative culture, like straight parents, you need to be having these conversations with your kids because it's, and we need to model, you need to be modeling. We need to model like also like, so, it, you know, it's interesting to, to me too, because we know that there is a lot of homophobia and transphobia in particular 
within masculine masculinity and toxic masculinity. Yeah. And this is how it shows up. Mm-hmm. This is how it shows up. And that the young men are modeling that and saying, well, gay's just fucking weird, man. And fuck gay people. And here it is. It's like, so the women are now willing to speak out against this stuff, but the men get to continually say it because men, you're not holding other men accountable. Mm-hmm. Like that's me as part of it. So I just really like, I don't, I don't, I, we would have to look at the demographics of like our podcast again, but like men, if you're out there listening and you hear somebody say some type of like gay slur, do you stop them and say, yo dude, that's not cool. Yeah. You have a responsibility. I, I mean, people, people should make it their responsibility. Yeah. So for, for James, we've talked about this so many times and he's okay. Like he's doing all right. He's kind of found, I think a couple friends that, you know, they they're standing with him. Um, they've got a good thing going on, but from his perspective, he, what he has told me is, you know, he's my little boy. Right. Yeah. And we know how little boys are. They, they sometimes have really big emotions that they're not given or they don't know necessarily like what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he says to me all the time, like, I just love you so much, mom. And I don't want you to have to hear what I hear. So he's already like putting Protect. himself in a position right. of protection. And I keep saying to him, like, you don't need to do that. Yeah. yeah. I can take what a bunch of teenage boys are going to say about me. Believe me, I can, I can take it. Totally. But his little heart just wants to protect his family. Yeah. So when you ask, like when people ask me like, oh, how are the kids? I'm like, you know, my kids are okay. But I think the question I want to ask them is how are your kids? Yeah. What conversations are you having with your kids? Mm -hmm. That's what I want to know. What you got for me? (laughs) Do we want to take a pause? Yeah, let's take a pause. Let's take a pause. All right. So I just had to pause because I'm, it just makes me really angry mm-hmm. and that it's, it's once again, put on children and us to like, it's not our job to educate other people's kids about how to be inclusive, inclusive and kind, kind. about someone else's family. Like you can only say, Hey man, stop. Like so many times before you like, you know, our dogs are all worked. They're all worked up. They're all worked up too. (laughs) I mean, if one of our kids came home and said, yeah, mom, I, I tried to tell my friend over and over and over and over again to stop. And then I finally just punched them. I'd be like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And no, it's not okay to punch a friend. Also, 
I kind of like there's, yeah, I mean, there's that's that. just my anger speaking right now. Like, come on, parents, like you have to, you have to get outside your hetero, heteronormative bubble. You have to talk about with your kids that there are other kinds of people and genders and sexualities, and you have to do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Did I say and over again? I was going to say that wasn't a record skipping. <laughs> that was not a fucking record skipping. Like these conversations are not a one and done. No, this kind of stuff is not a one and done. And I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming in hot right now because it means a lot to me. And it means a lot to our kids and to your kids. And it should mean a lot to you too. Well, right. There's some serious truth. It should mean a lot to you. And I think one of the things I hear from parents is they're like, well, I told my kids that we love everyone and love is love. Fuck that shit. I'm like, that is the tip of the iceberg of what you need to have a conversation about. I think, yes. Be nice to everyone. Be kind. You don't know the first fucking thing about being nice or kind, like, because I'm just going to, okay, sorry. <laughs> no, it's not that I'm sorry, no, I'm but sorry. I think what we're saying is that, you know, I think there's been, there's been a history of language in this country of, well, I, I was told not to see color and to treat everybody the same. Right. I really don't care who someone gets married to love is love. And these things, that is the tip of the iceberg. It is, it is just below. I mean, it is the bare minimum yeah. of what actually needs to be done. So like, I can hear of like people being like, well, what am I supposed to do? And number one, that is not for me to tell you that is for you to figure out. Right. But hopefully if you're listening to this podcast, I am sure that like James's friends who are doing this shit or, or have done it in the past, I'm sure their parents probably have had some conversation with them around tolerance and acceptance. I'm sure they have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's understanding that the conversation, like you said, it has to happen over and over. It has to happen again and again, and it has to be something deeper than, well, I don't care what somebody does in their own bedroom. Or hey, right, because that's all gay people are. Because that's all gay people is, is are. What we is do what we do in our bedroom. bedroom, right? Or like you know, well, I think everybody has the right to marry. Yes, but do you believe that they have the right to live with the same rights as you? Because marriage is only one of them. Yep. We only in Colorado got the right not to be fired because we're gay. Recently, <laughs> yeah. it's not just as simple as love who you want to love. It's in the way that you talk with gay people, the way that you talk about them. If you are a person out there that's like, oh, but I have a gay best friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know lots of people that can live in proximity to diversity and still be vowed in their hatred of it. Mm -hmm. Proximity doesn't mean shit. Yeah. That's been like the number one thing um, with conversations in the, in, in the local area with some I've had with people where I'm like, how I'm, I'm laugh, I laugh at myself, like how much energy I spent on trying to explain, explain something to someone who, who clearly was unable to understand when, when, when they're like, but we love transgender people. My friend's son is, 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 is trans and all the, I'm like, and so you, you go in and you go in and they're just not. No. And I, I guess too, like, and we're going to bring this back to, we are going to bring this back to joy because there's, there's, we're going to just, we're going to sit in our anger for a minute and then we're yeah. going to, and we're going to acknowledge it and we're going to move it on. But 
I was reading a post by someone, which granted, I just need to not read this shit, (laughs) but going on and on and on about this post about how we have a choice. This person was saying they have a choice. She has a choice of when something, you know, is ugly or it doesn't feel good, or it's an intense conversation. She can just stop looking at it. Oh, that. Yeah. And I was like, well, boy, isn't that fucking nice? (laughs) You see something that is uncomfortable and you can just choose to be happy and not look at it. And I'm like the, the privilege of that statement, you don't like what's on the news. Just turn it off. Was she a straight white woman? She is. Oh, not okay. She is. And she doesn't like when people have hard conversations that might feel divisive. Oh dear. Because it is uncomfortable for her. Because in, hu- in being human, we should never have any conflict ever. Well, and I wanted to say to her, I'm like, so, so talking about people's rights and their right to live mm-hmm. with the same freedoms that you do, that's uncomfortable for you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're so uncomfortable. I'm so sorry. You're uncomfortable talking about the fact that there's groups of people that want the same rights and privileges as you have, Mm -hmm. man, that must suck. I'm so sorry. That's uncomfortable Yeah, for you, for For me, (laughs) but instead of saying all of that, I decided to close my keyboard, my my computer. That's where you can look away. This is where I can look away. And you know what I did? What? I started to focus on joy again. Me. Okay. I've done this too. So yeah. the conversation I had with someone the other day was like, Hey, joy is a choice. Yes. So yes, all this ugly shit that we're talking about, it's fucking real. It fucking exists. There are still kids in my son's grade that ride past our house and say, fuck gay people. And my son still has to say to them, like, dude, you're talking about my mom. I need you to stop. That is all real. That happens in our world. Right. Right. But sometimes for me, joy is a choice and I'm leaning into it and I'm learning how to live more joyously. And so here's where my joy is today. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. You're smiling at me Uh and you're crinkling your nose. (laughs) (laughs) You ready? Yeah. Okay. Joy for me is that I think my kids are getting the message to never betray who they are. Oh, yeah. I think my kids are getting the message that pride in yourself and not really caring what other people think of you is the way to joy and life and brightness and over the top everything. Yeah. Like, I think they're actually like, they're getting it. Mm -hmm. They are free. They are truly free to be them because I model it for them. Yep. Yep. So I'm like going back to Glennon's words. I'm like, so there's so many parts of motherhood that are just so hard. And like to say that, you know, martyrdom, like there's plenty of times that I'm like, boy, I would love to go do whatever I want to do. But instead I have to drive to Centennial on Saturday morning for a (laughs) soccer game, right? It's not saying that we don't make those choices to prioritize our children, right? Because we do. Yeah. I'm not like a self, you know, I had these children, I am responsible and beholden to them and all the things that they need. 
-hmm. doesn't mean that I ignore their needs. Right. But also I prioritize my own. Right. Cause, cause that energy and that, you know, effect that, you know, it affects this, the environment of, of the home and, and how, yeah. So what do you think your kids have gotten from watching you? Um, I think a very similar message of, of not betraying themselves. Um, I think a part of me is bracing for when they, well, it has already happened, but they haven't seen it yet of like, um, of, you know, homophobia and, and, and transphobia in, in, in the world. So I think, I think the message is really just, I'm going to echo what, what you've said, because it's never too late to be yourself. Oh, yeah. And everything. And when you finally do, when you are ready to see and to step in and do the work and to it, there's no way around it in the most beautiful way. There's no way around that it affects everybody around you. And it's a beautiful thing. So I want to know more about, because, you know, for me, it was saying, Hey, I'm here. I'm queer motherfuckers. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Oh, you're going to like slam my children. Ask me constantly how they are. (laughs) You gossip about me, you know, not, you know, cross the streets to avoid speaking to me. You're going to do all these things, but guess what? still here, still queer motherfuckers. Yep. <laughs> right. And Hey, my kids have seen me live through it, get through it. They've seen me get dragged. They've seen me get up. They see me now joyously living. Right. Yeah. So, okay, cool. I'm still here. But what do you like for me? That was one thing because it was just, you know, it was, it was coming out in sexuality, but like you went through a full fucking transition in front of these people. So how do you feel now? Like before you transitioned and were constantly engaged in hiding, even from yourself, to now where you live completely openly post a couple years, post transition, how do you feel? And like, how is that comparison for you? So, so like, do you mean being in front of like my, my kids or like just out, I think in, just the world? out in the world? Like, and then how do you think that's affected your kids? Well, I think there's, a, there's a couple layers for sure that, um, I mean, I'll, I'll name that yes, I was, I had to acknowledge myself and, and, and who I am. And we were also living with a, a, an emotionally disabled person in the home. Um, and so there was layers of domestic abuse, um, verbal, psychological, um, and that, that is energy that affected all three of us. And so it came to the point where I, I basically, you know, yes, I had identity and sexuality and that was that almost in a certain way would get shelved and and then unshelved because I had another layer that I was dealing with that I had to also love myself enough to be myself for my kids and love myself and my kids enough to leave and to start this other healing process. So there's like multiple, you know, layers happening, but so, you know, like I've done the research, I've read the books, like I know what, um, you know, narcissistic abuse does to a family. And so it's, it's 
challenging, but it's also like that same thing that you're, you know, I have stood up, I've gotten knocked down over and over again. And it's like, no kids, like we're worth it. We're, we're worthy of being seen and loved. And, um, that I know affects them as well. I just got like super choked up at that statement, right? No <laughs> kids were here and we're worthy of being seen and loved. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way. I feel like that's what I showed my kids and that they had a, another parent and their father that was saying, yeah, your mother is worthy of being seen and loved. Yeah. So mine, not so much mine there. They, he didn't do that for them. No, no. He, your, your kid's biological father has not done that. Anyway, so yeah. Yeah. So you're, we're, we're worthy of being seen and loved. I guess my mind is kind of going to like those people that listen that I know are on, like you, you spend so much time in, um, that closet. Mm -hmm. And I think for, and there's this interesting thing that you and I watched today, um, we we're learning about, which is the compulsory heteronarrative. Oh, that's the word I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, yes. it is this, this, this thing that is, is real and is happening to a lot of women. And so, um, there's been some question of like, why do we see so many late in life lesbians? And, um, the reason is we're going to, we're going to bring it back to this, this, this compulsory, compulsory heteronormative, but can we pause really quick? And then we'll come back with the yeah. explanation of what that is. Stay tuned. <laughs> Okay. All right. You're back. You made it to part three, part three, compulsory heterosexuality. Um, tell us what that is, Alex. So basically this lovely person, uh, it's Katie Han on TikTok, um, breaks it down in a wonderful way. So uh, I'm gonna do my best here. <laughs> um, that essentially one of the reasons why lesbians and, and women come out later in life is because there's been this message that everything is revolving. It revolves around men and, and that sexuality caters to men because we live in a patriarchal society because we live in a patriarchal society. So, and it's also why a lot of lesbian, yeah, I already said that. So why they come out later in life, why a lot of lesbians have been with men or even had married men and had, had kids with them um, because there wasn't a lot of examples of sexuality or, you know, relationships, strong, uh, lesbian relationships. So like you literally just didn't know that you could be gay. Yeah. And so the, and the heteronormativity within a patriarchal society pushes women into heterosexual relationships. Yeah. And then it's really until you get older and that you can recognize and have the bravery to be like, this isn't who I am. Yeah. That's why we have a lot of women who start to break out of that patriarchal oppression mm -hmm. and come out. Yeah. That, yeah. Being, being lesbian is not about a, a man's comfort at all. It's not about. Yeah. And this is where, this is where I'm like, oh my God, this is so much work to do. <laughs> Uh, and I've said on here before, like patriarchal, patriarchal societies not only hurt um, women, they hurt men too. They do. Right. Because yeah. this is, this is not, an, you know, obviously men, this, this impacts and, and affects them. 
but when I was watching the, the woman um, talk about it, compulsory hetero, heterosexuality, it makes a lot of sense to me. Me too. So I know that, you know, when we talk about like our listeners out there, and I think people listen to us sometimes because they're on the verge of coming out. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, have that in my, in the back of my head. Like, so if you are a later in life lesbian and you're about to come out, like, just remember that it's okay. Mm-hmm. You are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And you are going to find your joy. Yeah. Because there is no joy better than just being yourself and being free and your children, they will see that. Yeah. And you can know you're gay without ever having sex with someone. Oh man. That's like a whole topic we've never even gotten into. Right. Is like, but if you've never had sex with a member of, you know, with the body parts that you're desiring, do you know that you really are this thing? Like, yeah, you can know. Yep. (laughs) Having sex with another person is not, that's not, you don't need to do that to, to prove anything. Right. You don't have to explain or validate yourself in any way you are just because you are mm-hmm. because you feel, and that's, that's what it is. But I, I do looking back over the last five years of my life and the journey that I've been on with my kids, it has been, there has been moments of like, of, of, of such deep pain of seeing pain in your children and there's been moments where I'm like, I could have, I couldn't have ever imagined that things were going to be this good. Um, but I, I can absolutely sit here and tell you my children know who I am Yep. and they know that I value myself, yep. that I will not betray myself, that I will always honor honesty and bravery above everything else that I don't give a fuck what people say about me. Yeah. Cause I am stronger than those words. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you that is fucking liberation. Mm-hmm. So when I look at my kids and I keep going back to what Glennon Doyle said, what am I modeling for my children? Yeah. That's what I'm modeling for them. Yeah. There's a lot of fucking joy there. There's a ton of joy there. I'm just googly eyed and big smile. Cause I'm just inspired by what you just, what you said. And it just, yeah. So if you're thinking about doing it, reach out to us, you've got support. You are not alone in this. You will, you will get through it. Yeah. I mean, I was the mom. I was, I, I remember saying to my kids, well, be you. And I really had no idea. I was so blind to my own, you know, that I was not being myself at all in a multiple number of ways. I know it's crazy, right? Because it sounds so simplistic what we're saying. Yeah. Because I know so many moms and dads that say this to the kid, I just want you to be you. But how does your kid know to do that if they, because kids know, they, they, they know. totally know. They totally know when you're not happy. They totally know when you're hiding. So, like they're intuitive little creatures that, that's, that are from your loins. Like they know you. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of wired or that, you know, because, because kids, I mean, all of us, but, but especially kids, because they're so vulnerable in a certain way they will um, do whatever they can to take care of a parent who is unable to show up. And so they end up 
kind of adapting and modifying, you know, adjusting themselves to make sure their parents are okay. Yeah. And I definitely felt that with mine, Yeah, like, you know, that they were, they were hyper aware of, um, my feelings and my emotions and that I was hiding something and that something was felt sometimes maybe like a little bit off. Like I just wasn't being, they could sense it. They couldn't sense what it was, but they could sense it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess, I, I guess partly like sometimes when we do this podcast, it's almost like I'm saying the words that I wish somebody would have said to me when I was going through this. Yeah. Right. And so it's so fascinating because it sounds so simple. We say to our children what we want. I want you to be happy and I just want you to be you, but yet we don't grant that for ourselves. Yeah. So what does it look like to just be happy yourself and let your child see that example? And this is a multitude of things. This isn't just being queer and coming out. Totally. It could be anything. Yeah. It could be, I don't love the job I'm in. I need to do something different. I need to start a new career. I need to have different friendships. I need, you know, there's all sorts of ways. It could be, I want to be brave and get into a relationship. Yeah. I want to prioritize a partner and love for myself. Um, I just, I think, you know, Glennon Doyle really hit on something with Untamed. That book was not about her coming out. No. That book was about her becoming herself. Yeah. 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 And, and that, you know, the, the foundation of, of love, um, when, when a parent is, knows themselves and that seeps or, you know, goes in, and I'm, I'm looking for the right word. Um, a child, a child can feel that too. Mm-hmm. And then they have this stronger foundation when they go out in the world of like, okay, I am, everything's okay you know, because they had this solid ground. Well, thank you for saying that. Cause that was one of the things too, when we talk about like, what do I want my children to have? I want them to have a deep sense of, of self of, I am who I am and whatever that is, is okay. But I also want them to trust themselves. That was huge in the beginning of my transition. I'm like, I want you to trust yourself. So if you are a parent that is hiding, yeah. How are you and not trusting yourself? how are you expecting to model that for your kid? Yeah. So like, I think, and not that I shouldn't think of this with, with my, my older child with James, but with my daughter, especially just because I, I, I know what the world does to women that don't trust themselves and speak for themselves. And I think about that and I'm like, what am I doing to send this child out into the world where she hasn't seen her mother be herself and trust herself? To know, like when she sees me sink down into my intuition, into my knowing, into, I can make hard decisions. I can, I can have people not like the decisions I make, but because I'm prioritizing what I think is right. Yes. That I will say difficult things that I will love openly and joyous, joy, joyously mm-hmm. without caring how someone else feels about it. Yeah. Like I want my daughter and my son to have that model. Yeah it's even stronger than what I want for myself, but I don't know Mm -hmm. how you model that for your kid unless you do do it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want that for all four of them too. Yeah. Do you think we're doing it? I think we are. I think, um, we're in the day-to-day small deposits mode. Yeah. And, you know, 
that whole idea, theory, idea, whatever concept that, you know, when they're older, they're going to come back around and be like, oh, because, because now they're not cognitively, you know, developed enough to understand, but they're, but they know. I know. I'm like, it's not like they sit down with us at dinner and they're like, we would like to talk about all of our feelings of how we know who we are and we trust ourselves. Like, obviously that's, (laughs) I know. And sometimes like, I'll totally do that to my kids. I'll be like, you know, let's have these. I'm like, right. You're eight and 10. I'm just gonna. Yeah. But I think where I do see it with, with my kids who are a little, a little bit older is, um, I saw it with James where he was, you know, high school dating. Right. But he was dating a girl that wasn't nice to him. Mm -hmm. And she hurt him. And then she came back and he was said kindly, no, I am worth more than that. Yeah. I mean, he said it in like his way, he didn't say it that way, but that was what he said. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay. So that's how it shows up that that's how it shows up that he values himself, right. Where he was like, there is a boundary that I'm not going to allow myself to be treated this way by this person. Who's already done it twice to me, you know, with, with, um, with, with the younger one, with the middle school or with Jules, it shows up differently in her too, but with, with both of my kids, what I see is they, they have a value on themselves and they have a value on their family. Mm -hmm. Now they're total, they're kids. Like, you know, James in particular, like went through a period of time where like, he was using some language that I was like, excuse me, (laughs) we need to have some conversations. I continually need to have a conversation with him around entitlement and privilege, like constantly way more than this again, like it's not the tip of the iceberg. I got to go all the way down. I made him sit through DEI training Yeah, <laughs> because yep. I was like, we're not getting it. We're not getting it. And I need you to get this. I, you know, bought him books. I, I did. I think I'm doing all the things, but then I realized like he is out in the world with other people influencing him way more than he is with me <laughs> and I can't bubble him. <laughs> right. But you, you have you have the most impact though. I just try again. <laughs> Cause you're, 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 you're his heart. You're, you're, you help build his heart. I mean, that's the thing about moms, right? Yeah. So yeah, the world, yeah, the world does what it does, but man, I've, moms, I'm reading, we build their hearts. Yeah. I'm built, I'm reading a book right now. Like, you know, kids, if they had just have one parent that they just need one that's like uh-huh and it's all yeah well I'm gonna go cry it out <laughs> since I built my since we built our kids hearts right I don't know other moms out there listening you probably balling right along with me it's yeah. the biggest gift in the entire world mm-hmm. it is all right should we wrap this one up I think we're done. Are, Are we? we done? I feel like we could keep going, but I, no, I, I agree. I think we're done for today. Okay. Can we do like a little spoiler alerts of like things that are coming though? Oh, sure. So next week is international pronouns day. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we'll do for this one. I mean, we might want to take a week off at some point too. Yeah. I mean, we did already, we did a pronoun episode, We did. but, um, well, listen, if we don't do one next week, go back a couple episodes and listen to pronouns again. And then we'll get into the month of 
November soon. Which November has, we have some surprises. It's, it's a transgender day of remembrance on the 20th, um, transgender awareness, transgender awareness, awareness week, the 13th or the 19th. And so, um, yeah. And we are going to get married in November. We're getting married. So we are going to take a little break around that. And when we come back um, in December, we'll probably be sharing all the amazing things from our, our day of celebration. I'm kind of like digging being on this joy track though, of just, just what does queer joy look like? And, um, so I will, we'll keep coming to you, but probably take a little bit of a break in November. Yeah. 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 I'm staring at you. Cause I'm like, it's just moments of joy where I'm like writing vows and yeah. looking for shoes and it's fun. It is fun. We're going, we're going to do some cupcake tasting soon. Yeah. So I, I do just want to say one more time, like I'm so intentional with this because I know where some of our listeners are. I remember it. Um, if you are thinking of coming out and you are worried about kids and impact and, and what people are going to say, you, your safety, number one is the most important thing. So make sure that you can safely come out. Yeah. And when I say safely, I mean, like, um, not that there's not going to be hard things to go through because you can do them, but I mean like actual safety, this is a real concern for queer folks. Make sure that you can safely come out. And if that does feel, um, threatened in any way, find a friend, um, that can help you come out right Mm -hmm. in a safe way. But assuming that your safety is okay, your physical safety is okay. Your kid's safety is okay. You can come out. You are going to get through this. You are, you are going to get up every morning and some mornings are going to be hard. Some mornings you're going to want to put the covers over your head. Some mornings you're going to say, what the fuck did I do to my children? There are going to be days like that is it is inevitable, but you are also going to have days where you wake up and you're going to look over and you might see the partner of your dreams. Mm-hmm. You might feel a deep, deep rest in your soul. Yeah. That you are out and just get to be you. You are going to allow your children to know you in a mm-hmm. deep and meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And that's really powerful. And that's really powerful for both of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're here for you. We're here. Lean on and, and, and you're not alone. Like lean on, um, you know, lean on your people and you will find if, if you feel like, well, I don't have any, you will find them. And the more truth, and we've said that before, the truth has legs. So when you tell the truth, it's going to stand ultimately through all of it. Well, which will help you stand as well. So until next time, hey, Alex, <laughs> be you. Hey, Kim, be you. Be you. All right, listeners, we love you.